Well, really is uh, great to have you for the second of our Easter celebration services here in Kingsgate, Peterborough. We're going to have celebrations this morning in Cambridge and Leicester as well. Again, I want to say particular welcome if you are here for the first time. While we were celebrating here at Kingsgate last night, um, England was celebrating a great turnaround, I hear, in football. <laughs> Beating Germany, don't we just love that? 2-0 down and then 3-2 uh, turnaround. I love turnaround situations, don't you? When it looks like all hope has gone and something dramatically turns around. For me, one of the most memorable and significant events that I can remember was May the 12th, 2012. Some of you know what's coming. It's the last day of the Premier League season and Man City haven't won, sorry guys, for 44 years, they haven't won the top division of English football. And all they have to do on this final day is just beat a relegated side, QPR, and they're through. That's it. Champions at last. Simple? <clears throat> well, after the full 90 minutes, despair, despondency. City are losing 2-1. So much so that a number of City fans actually start leaving before the final whistle. Some of them even get home before the end of the game. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, in extra time, City equalise. Hope again. Then the final, final minute of extra time. I'll try and imitate the commentator. Aguero! <laughs> You've got to watch the YouTube of it. I've watched it many times. Scores. Final whistle, they've done it, champions at last. People are crying, grown men hugging them, eat one another, dancing around. It was the greatest turnaround in Premier League history. The point of me telling that is not self-gratification. Well, it may be a little bit. Uh, it's, um, it's the fact that imagine if you were one of those City fans who you had left the stadium thinking you'd lost. Some of them literally start hearing the first cheer. And they, they turn back to the stadium. Others hear a second cheer. And then finally they hear the big roar. But imagine if you were one of those who you'd left so early that you'd got home. I wonder when you would have found out that what you thought was a great defeat was a tremendous turnaround. Well, we're looking at, you'll be pleased to know, not football today, but the most significant, dramatic and life-changing turnaround in the whole of history. It's the events of the first Easter. Jesus Christ was cruelly tortured and crucified on what we know as Good Friday. His body was laid in a tomb. He was proven clinically dead. And for his followers, who thought he was the Messiah, thought he would change the world, it was like it was over. All hope had gone. And some of the disciples, as we saw in our drama, begin to scatter and begin to leave the scene of the action thinking that all hope had gone. And the scene that we looked at was actually um, a dramatic presentation of a real story told in the end of Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 24 about two disciples who on Easter Sunday afternoon head away from the scene of the action to a village called Emmaus. They're filled with doubt, they're filled with despair, because they think it's all over. That is until Jesus Christ, as we see, joins them on the journey, and although they don't first recognize him, he speaks to them, 
finally reveals himself to them and in doing so, turns their lives around. All the despair has gone, the despondency is gone, hope suddenly comes back, and they do a full 180, and is it where they head back to the action to celebrate with the other disciples. And I believe it's a, a, not just a, a great true story, it's a wonderful picture of how even today, Jesus Christ wants to come and join you and I on our life journey. And wherever we're at on life's journey, he wants to come and he wants to reveal himself to us and turn our lives around. It may be you're here and you're already a Christian, but you could say, I need a fresh encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be you're here and you've experienced great disappointments. Maybe right now you're facing real crises and pain and confusion in your life. I want to tell you, Jesus wants to meet you today. Maybe you're here and you've never become a Christian. You're just seeking, you're checking this out. Maybe you're here and you're not quite sure what's going on. I want to tell you, this message is for every single one of us. And from this story, I want to just highlight three life-changing lessons. The first one is this. Jesus is present with us even when we don't recognize him. Jesus is present with us even when we don't recognize him. How many of you have ever been to a pantomime? Some of you are ashamed to admit that. How many of your children have ever been to a pantomime? Well, often what happens in a pantomime is there's a character on stage and a, another character, often a baddie, comes behind them and all the children start shouting out, he's behind you. And the actor winds them up by saying, where? Now nearly hysterical, behind you. And this goes on for a, a number of minutes. And this story that we've just seen from Luke 24, it's almost as we read this, I don't know how you felt about that as you were watching that, if you knew in advance the story. There's something of that drama going on. It's hugely ironic. Although the disciples can physically see Jesus right there with them, they don't know it's, they don't know it's him. And it's almost as if we're wanting to shout out to them, hey guys, you're talking about Jesus. You think it's all over, but he's there. He's right there with you. And of course, this ironic story proceeds as they start really expressing how disappointed they are of what's happened to Jesus and how he's been crucified. Listen to this. It says in Luke 24, 21, we had hoped that he would be the one who was going to set Israel free. Huge irony. We'd hoped he would be the rescuer and he's standing right there. And what they didn't realize, and what we know if we've already read the story, is that far from the cross being a place of defeat, as they thought it was, it was through the cross that Jesus came, not just to set his people, the people of Israel free, but to set every single one of us free from spiritual shame and guilt and everything that would stop us from enjoying God's best in our lives. And the high irony, of course, is that he is alive and well right there. You say, well, so what's that got to do with us? Well, I believe it speaks powerfully into many situations that we face in life. And you may be facing one such situation right now. Maybe you have, ha have had or are right now experiencing some I had hoped moments. They had hoped it would work out different. I'm sure we've all had situations like that. 
You had hoped a relationship would work out different. You had hoped a job situation would work out different. How many you worked out we don't live in a perfect world where everything works out just like we wanted it to? Yeah? And right into the midst of this had hope situation, you need to know that just as on that road, Jesus was physically present there. Now he's alive. He's been raised to the Father's right hand. But by his Holy Spirit, right in the midst of your darkest hour, Jesus is present with you. Sometimes people think, well, God's just aloof. He doesn't understand what's going on. No, 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 no. God became a man in Jesus. He identifies with our humanity. He comes right into the midst of our suffering. And I want to tell you, he's right there. Even though these don't, disciples don't recognize him, he was there. And even though you may not recognize he's there, it's like just as we read this story and we're wanting to say to those disciples, it's Jesus right there. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today, Jesus is right there with you, even when you don't recognize him. But I appreciate that for many of you, while you identify with this whole thing of disappointment, a situation of despair and discouragement, others of you say, life's fine. And it may be that you identify more with the disciples in their doubt. They were, had disappointment, but they also had all kinds of doubts. They were once believers in Christ, but now in effect, their faith has gone. With the resurrection, it seems over. It may be that you have all kinds of questions. You know, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have questions. Some of you may even be questioning, does God exist? You're hearing about resurrection. You say, I don't know whether I believe in the resurrection. And I'm not sure I believe whether God has really got a plan for my life. Well, that's why we're putting on this new sermon series called Why Believe? Because we recognize that you can have many great questions, important questions, and we want to help address those questions in the next few weeks. So I really hope you'll join us, invite a whole bunch of friends to what I believe is going to be hugely helpful um, uh, uh, series in helping us journey and find out God's plan for our lives. That's the first thing. Jesus is present with us. Trust you're encouraged about that. Even when we don't recognize he's there. But the second is this. Jesus is speaking to us if we will listen to him. So it's one thing to have Jesus with you. What I love about this story is Jesus actually comes, he takes the initiative and he starts a conversation with them. You see, God has not left us. God is not absent from us. He's present in Christ by the Spirit and he's wanting to speak to you and I and help change our lives. In the story, of course, he's there physically. They hear his audible voice. Rarely do we hear his audible voice. But the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Sometimes he'll speak through promptings, through what we sometimes call the still small voice. He'll, he'll speak to us sometimes through other people. Sometimes he'll draw our attention through circumstances. One of the major ways he speaks to us is through what we know as the Bible. There's a wonderful testimony coming up, a story on video of one of the people who are getting baptized. She's actually here this morning, and um, Mariama. She tells the story of how she comes to the Kingsgate first time because she follows a friend to church. Obviously, something happens to 
her in that service that she goes back home, buys a Bible, starts reading the Bible, and then as she reads the Bible, she has a revelation of the truth, makes a decision to become a follower of Christ. I love it. She describes how before she came to church, her life was empty. After she'd read the Bible and met Jesus, she described her life as now filled with indescribable peace and joy. Isn't that wonderful? We have a God who speaks. And when we listen to his voice, he can completely turn our lives around. And this is actually what happened. There's a pattern for this we see in this story. You see, what's remarkable is his Jesus audibly, physically there with them. And yet he doesn't try and reveal himself to them by pointing to his physical person. Instead, he kind of sets a pattern. He goes to the Bible. It, we read in uh, verse 27 of Luke 4, it says, He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He goes back to what was the Bible they had then, which was the Old Testament, the Scriptures, and he goes right through, starting with the, the, the first books of the Bible, the books of Moses, and he begins to say, oh, and this prophecy was about me. This prophecy is about the crucifixion. And he, he takes them through the Bible to reveal himself through his written word, the Bible. Now we're in an even better position than those disciples because we not only have the Old Testament prophecies that point to Jesus, we now have the, what we know as the New Testament where we actually can read about the story of Jesus and, and we can read about what it means to become a follower of Jesus and how knowing him completely can change our lives. There's something wonderful about the Bible. Can I say the Bible is not an outdated, boring book of rules? It is the most popular, most translated, most powerful book in history. It's changed the lives of billions of people through history and it's changing lives today. Don't you know this, but the queen at her coronation was handed a Bible with these words. We present you with this book the most valuable thing that this world affords. The Bible is hugely valuable. It's like a life manual. If you have questions, go to the Bible. It's also been described as a love letter where God wants to personally reveal himself to you through Christ as he did those two on the Emmaus Road. But here's the point. God is speaking and very often he speaks to us through the Bible. The key is though, are we listening? Are we listening? I remember... In my early teens, I must have been about, I don't know, 12 or 13 at the time. For some reason, I ended up visiting a ship somewhere in, uh, in dock. I can't even remember where, in the UK. And that ship was basically set up, filled with Christian literature. And I went, and I was curious, and so I started looking around. And somebody gave me little cards with various Bible verses on them. And I took these Bible verses away, and one of these verses was from Romans chapter 3 that reads this, the wages of sin is death. Now I want to tell you, living the way I was, that was, I believe, a positive warning from God. You see, I was um, in a full-blown rebellion, being obnoxious to pretty much everyone around, I was headed on a course that was ultimately destructive. And I remember, even though I was not yet a Christian, God trying to speak to me and get my attention. Dave, you're headed off course. 
there's another part of that verse which is the positive alternative. The, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And it was as if the Lord was saying, um, I'm offering you a far better eternal alternative. It's the free gift of my son, and if you receive him, he'll change your life around. But I didn't feel it fully listen. More to point, I didn't respond, and I wasted a number of years until I finally became a Christian at the age of 90. As I look back, and I say this to those of you young people, don't waste your best years. I say that to not just young people. Don't wait years. As soon as you possibly can, take this third step. Transformation doesn't just come knowing that Jesus is present. It doesn't even come when we know he's speaking. It comes when we respond. That takes me to the third point, which is this. Jesus will transform us as we invite him in. You see, the transformation of these two disciples that we saw on the road to Emmaus. My turnaround. Those who are being baptized, their turnaround. In fact, every single person who's seen their lives turned around and transformed has come when they made a personal decision to invite Christ in. I don't know if you picked it up in the drama, but something kind of potentially quite shocking about it. Because here the disciples are, they've got Jesus physically with them. He's speaking to them from the scriptures about himself. And yet, it seems like, and it's in the, it's in the passage in Luke 24, he, he makes as if he's going to continue on the journey. Now, I like to think, what would have happened if he'd continued on? But thankfully, he doesn't continue on because they, the two disciples, make a decision to welcome him in. They welcome him in physically into the house. We read it very clearly. It says, they urged him strongly, stay with us. So he went in to stay with them. They made the invitation he responded. And it wasn't until they invited him to come in that he actually revealed himself to them. As, as we saw, he did so over a meal. He took the initiative. We read how he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, and began to give it to them. And, it, and then it says, then their eyes were opened. Then they recognized him. And then we could say their lives began to turn around and there's something I don't know whether it was just the sound of his voice that they remembered ah I think there's probably something about they remembered when he'd broken bread in previous meals and Luke the author of this story is no doubt wanting us and future followers to see something like a flashback to what we call the Lord's Supper when Jesus did break bread and take wine foreshadowing what he was going to do on the cross, but nonetheless, it was as they invited him in, Jesus, through the breaking of bread, revealed himself to them, and there was like that aha moment. Their eyes were opened, and as a result, their lives were ch changed. Suddenly, the, the despair goes, just like that. The disappointment that, that, they, that was crushing suddenly goes, and they do a full 180, and they head back, as it were, to the scene of the action to celebrate with the other disciples. A glorious, glorious transformational moment. But the key to their transformation was they invited him in. Since that moment, 
And now that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, but he's present everywhere by his Spirit. Over the, cen- over the centuries, billions of people have had a similar encounter with Jesus Christ. Of all backgrounds, ages, and cultures, thousands of us just in this local church of Kingsgate would say that we've had a life-transforming encounter with Jesus Christ. And um, we've got 31 people, as we've heard, being baptized this weekend who are also saying um, we've invited Christ in and our lives have been turned around. How many like to watch a short sample of their stories? Okay, well, let's watch this. Hi, my name's Anne. I've been a believer of God for so many years. I've had faith in him and I knew he was there, but I didn't have a relationship with him. Life started to get on top of me. I have two young kids that I'm raising. I felt stressed, overwhelmed, tired most of the time. And um, I just decided that for so many years, I tried to do life my way, but it was, this, it was time to give it to God and let him take control. Um, Ever since I made that decision, I've become a happier person, more peaceful, joyful as well. And everyone around me has noticed as well. And I have to say that since I've made that decision, it has been the best decision I've ever made. I've been sitting on the fence for for many years with my Christianity. Um, Three years ago, while I was sitting in a hospital rating room, I gave my life to God um, and got off the fence. Um, and he's changed me in so many ways. Before I came to know Jesus, my life was empty. I followed a a friend to church and listened to what was said. I bought a Bible, I read it, and got to know the truth. And I've been walking with Jesus. And now my life is filled with joy and peace that is indescribable. And then I came on to celebrate recovery I'd had a couple of issues and it was whilst doing that course that I started to understand that God is with me God is my father I am his child and over the weeks this this revelation grew stronger and stronger and and I remember it was towards the middle of last year for the first time in my life I really understood what it meant when Jesus was crucified And I I truly understood for the first time in my life the sacrifice which God made for us, for all of us, for me. Hi, I'm Christy. Uh, Last year I took the Alpha course and it was there that I decided to commit my life to Christ. From then on, I felt as though there's more of a purpose to everything and that I'm on a path to a a greater place and that I feel less alone. I feel like God's with me every step of the way and I feel like I'm more confident and more positive as a person. Hi, my name's Mel. I grew up in Cheshire with a really supportive and loving family and although I wasn't a Christian, I never really found a need for Jesus in my life. When I went to university, my friend took me to churches with her and I never really understood what it was all about. But one Easter service, she brought me to her church called Kingsgate and something inside of me there made a real point and it felt just so different from anything I'd experienced before. I invited Jesus into my life that day and since then I've realised that those limits that I had on my life they're gone now. God has opened up a new way for me and he's going to manoeuvre me in ways that I'd never even imagined before. Aren't they great stories of 
turnaround, new joy, new peace, new sense of purpose, people expressing a life without limits. That's what we need, isn't it? Our lives to be turned around like that. But again, what was common with all of them is that they made a decision to invite Christ in. I, I'm reminded of a, a verse in the last book of the Bible. It's called the book of Revelation. And in verse, chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus is speaking and he says this, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Picture here of Jesus knocking on the door of our lives. He says this, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. As we open the door, he promises he will come in and turn our lives around. Holman Hunt painted a famous picture called Light of the World based on this verse. And he famously painted it without a handle on the outside. And when he was asked about it, he said, it's deliberate. He says, there's no outside handle because the handle is on the inside. Christ is knocking, but you and I have to make the choice to open the handle and invite him in. Let me put it like this. If you want your life to turn around, you have to turn the handle. He won't force his way in. He's knocking. Will you invite him in? And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond right now. Maybe you're somebody who you've been a believer and like the two on the road to Emmaus, for whatever reason, things haven't turned out like you hoped disappointment maybe is coming. Maybe you've just drifted. But I want to tell you, Jesus is still here. He's still speaking. He's the God of the second chance. He's the God of the new beginning. He wants you to turn around. And I'd like to, you to join me in a prayer. But also, I particularly want to also include everyone here who's never had uh, started a journey with Jesus. Maybe it is your very first time. Maybe you've been back to one of these and this is another opportunity for you today I want to pray with you too what I'm going to do in just a moment is I'm going to lead us in a prayer it's a prayer to a real God we can't see him but as we pray to him in Jesus name by the power of the Holy Spirit he will come into our lives he's promised he would he says I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in so just like to invite you please if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads closing your eyes just for a moment I'm going to pray a phrase at a time and I'd like to invite those of you who are praying this for the very first time or you're praying it to make sure or you're praying it as a way of coming back and saying God I need you to come back into the center of my life and turn my life around and I'd like to invite other long-standing Kingsgate members if you'd like to join along and pray it with us. You can either pray it out loud or you can pray it quietly. But let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I celebrate today that you died for me, that I might be free. And that you rose from the dead. And that you're alive today. 
Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Turn my life around. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.